It's been nearly eight months now since actors have taken the stage on Broadway. The theater industry is currently facing its largest crisis ever. What does an industry based entirely around live performances in small, enclosed spaces do when that exact activity has been banned by governments around the world in response to the COVID-19 pandemic? My name is Adam Garrity, and I will be your host for this new podcast, The End of Broadway. Across this series, we will explore the depths of the crisis on Broadway and explore how members of the industry have responded to the truly unique crisis. Today, we'll be starting off our series with a bit of an introduction to Broadway itself as we track the career of a stage manager up to the point that Broadway finally shut down on March 12th. Hi, my name is Cherie. Cherie is a stage manager on Broadway who, prior to the pandemic, was working as the assistant stage manager for the musical Town, a recently opened musical that was seeing a good amount of success. I started doing stage management actually back when I was in high school. Someone was like, hey, you want to do the fall show and pull curtains? I was like, I don't know what that means, but sure. And then I just like stage managed the rest of high school and then ended up going to college for it and doing it full time professionally. I guess I always loved theater. First of all, like that was my first love was when my parents brought me to see like Annie and Fan of the Opera and all of that. And then in terms of theater, doing it in high school, I just, it was just so fun. Like it's just you hang out and you like use tools and create things together. And that that's what I love is like that sense of camaraderie and family. When did you realize stage management was where you belonged? I mean, I always knew I wanted to do Broadway, so I was in high school, and we went. We would come up to New York and see Broadway shows, and then, you know, try and shadow as much as I could, but never could, because no one in my family is in theater, so I had zero connections. And then college, when I, I went to school in Philly, I started just, like, going on Playbill.com and looking for any sort of internships available, anything that they needed help with. And I started working on stuff like the Drama Desk Awards. They were looking for production assistants. And I was like, yeah, I'll take a $16 Chinatown bus and crash on my friend's couch. Like, that's how it started was me being like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'll eat like a peanut butter jelly sandwich for lunch. That's fine. And then (laughs) I uh, worked in Philly for two years and then I went on tour with In the Heights and then I did Bring It On on Broadway as a music assistant. And I was like, this is cool. Did a bunch of music assisting. And then I did War Horse for two years, a Broadway tour. And we went to Japan and I was the first ASM and I came back to New York being like, I'm hot shit. And then I didn't work as a stage manager for like two years. (laughs) And I was like, ah, well, fuck. Eventually, Cherie got introduced to Jim Harker. Jim had been working as a production stage manager for more than 30 years at this point, having been a PSM on shows such as Beauty and the Beast, A Bronx Tale, and American Idiot. And then he took me out to lunch to talk about another show. And I thought that it was like an interview, and then turns out he it was just a job offer. So we went to Hartford Stage. I did a show with Kevin Bacon. And then the next show he did, he brought me on to Amelie. That was my first Broadway show. And backstage at Amelie, it was like, it was cool, because we had already done the show in LA, and I felt confident about it. And then doing on Broadway, you know, you're behind a set piece. I'm on stage, center stage. The set piece is like downstage of me. And I'm just like, cool with my clipboard. I was like, all right, I'm on Broadway. Hey. And then I was like, okay, what's my next cue? And just like going right back into it. 
Cherie, with her first real Broadway experience as a stage manager under her belt, went back to doing some music assisting work to make ends meet. She eventually got to meet Beverly Jenkins, who later became the production stage manager of Hadestown. Beverly was working as a PSM on a tiny show Cherie Music assisted called Superfly. So although Cherie wasn't working directly with Beverly, they became acquainted with each other. Cut to 2019 in the fall. I was working on an off-Broadway show and she emailed me and she's like, hey, I'm doing Hadestown. We're looking for a, a second. You want to you wanna come in for an interview? And I was like, oh my God, I've wanted to work with Beverly for like literally almost a decade. And so I said, well, I'm doing a show right now, but I would love to interview with you just to, if anything, be in the same room as you. And she emailed me back. She's like, oh, I see your show is running until like our tech week, so you can't do it. I was like, no, no, I can leave the show. I'll find a suitable sub. So she's like, all right, cool. So I go in an interview and they're running like half an hour late. They had to change rooms at one point. Like the person before me had done the show before and was like friends with the director. And I was like, oh no, I'm not going to get the job. I go in, I'm sitting next to a trash can and they're both like texting. They're like, oh, we got to go for dinner. Rico's waiting for us. And I was like, oh God. And I was like, so what do you guys need? And they're like, oh, we need a cruise director. I was like, I can do that for you. That's like what I do. And so I left there and I was like, I did not get this job. <laughs> and then I got an email a few few days later being like, we would like to offer you the position. And I was just screaming in the rehearsal room. I've done a few shows now and a lot of shows just don't run long. They just don't, you know. Theater is really Broadway, especially as like, there's no, you don't know how long your show is going to last. You can feel it. You 100% know when you're like backstage for previews and there's like three people in the audience and you're like, all right, well, nice working with you. <laughs> but for this one, it felt different. Like every, even in the previews, it was, you know, everyone was like, oh, it was so good off Broadway. I can't wait to see it on Broadway. Okay, cool. So it already has that buzz. And then the preview audiences loved it. And on opening night, it was just like screaming and cheering. And it was so amazing. And even in the back of our hearts, we had to be like, okay, well, we still don't know. Like, we'll wait for the Tony Awards to be announced because you don't want to hype yourself up so much and then... You never know, like, what if it's a flop with tourists, you know? So so you just have to not be like, yeah, we're going to run forever. <laughs> but it was amazing. Opening night was amazing. And it was so cool to be like, you know what? This might be a hit. Town goes on to be massively successful from the get-go and gets nominated for 14 Tony Awards that year, the most for any new musical that season. This is my first Tony-nominated show. It's exciting. It's so exciting. Everyone was like freaking out backstage. And then comes the work of like the Tony performance number and then rehearsing that, rehearsing the opening number with all of the other casts. And then I got to be backstage for the performance and we were all waiting for the for the opening number to start. So they do all the uh, creative awards before that. And as our creative team was winning awards. They would come off downstage left where we all were. And so they would win the award, accept the award, come off. And then all of us were like, yeah. So it's like they were welcomed into, into their loving arms. Hadestown went on to win eight Tony Awards that year. 
including the highly coveted Best Musical Award, the high watermark of success on Broadway. Unbelievable. It was unreal. So at this point, what was your outlook for yourself and Hades Town? Great stability, which is very rare. I had two mentors who were like, enjoy it now. It's never going to happen again. Because <laughs> it is that rare. It's just so rare. But only one show a year gets gets that award. And there are many shows. After the break, unforeseen circumstances make an appearance to disrupt Cherie's new normal. Steve Austin is back. The Steve Austin Show is back and better than ever with new exciting episodes featuring tales from his new life, unbelievable past adventures, talks to pro wrestling pals, you name it, Steve's on it. Download new episodes of The Steve Austin Show every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. There are no confirmed cases of coronavirus uh, in New York thus far. Uh, we would expect as time goes on that uh, we will find a case of coronavirus. If you look at the spread of it around the world, um, we would expect that, and we are prepared for that. At this point, Cherie had something truly rare in an industry defined by tumult, stability and job security. Working a dream job is still a job, however. It's not this, like, fantasy land where everyone's always like, I'm on Broadway every single day. You know, it's like, cool. All right, we're here. Check the props. This has to be fixed. Okay, can you fix it before the show? No? Okay, do we have a backup? Great. Let's use the backup tonight. So it's like constantly fixing problems. It's not just always one smooth thing that just happens. You know, it's it's constantly maintain doing maintenance on the show and working. <laughs> You're working on Broadway. At the end of the day, though, there are certain aspects of working on Broadway that make all the rough work worthwhile. The other thing that's great about the show is really the audience, because I get to go out into the audience during Act Two and to see all of them so engaged. Like, that's really what keeps me going as well, is my love for the show and their response to the show. That's so cool. And seeing the stage door after the show, you know, just so many people who love it and clearly are moved by the show. Um, that helps me carry myself forward uh, on days that are harder. Go about your lives, go about your business. Some places like Italy are doing mass school closures. That's not on the menu here. It, is there a theoretical uh, scenario where that could happen? Of course, but is it anywhere near to where we are now? No. I decided to go back to Singapore back in January of 2020 for Chinese New Year. Uh, with my family and so my fiance came along and we decided you know what since the whole family's going we're gonna do Singapore Malaysia for Chinese New Year and then while we're on that side of the world we'll go to New Zealand sounds fun it's like end of January beginning of February and we're going over and people are like oh you know coronavirus is a thing there over there there's like coronavirus there's some sort of virus and it's like okay cool all right we Take a plane to Singapore, and like it's not, no one's really like freaking out, but people are definitely wearing masks. We try and wear masks, but it's like a hundred degrees there in the shade, and you're just sweating all over all the time. We had like neck fans, you know, those like USB neck fans. So, yeah, we would kind of wear masks sometimes, but not. We weren't really. No one was really freaking out about it. There definitely was a lot of news stories about it. So that was happening on that side of the world. And then we were slated to go to New Zealand. We went to New Zealand and it was 
just like COVID-19 on the news forever. It was everyone was just talking about coronavirus. And at the end of that trip, I actually got really sick. And it was more of a head cold. And we got on a plane at the end of that trip. We flew from Queenstown to Auckland. And when I got off the plane, my left ear was so uh, inflamed that it felt like my eardrum was about to burst. And I was like, I am not taking another flight. Like, it was terrifying. I was in tears. This poor <laughs> airline person was like, okay, we're going to get you to the hospital. Went to an ER in Auckland. And everywhere were, like, coronavirus signs. As I'm standing there, me, this, like, Asian person, this other person in the hospital, this young girl, she wasn't young. She was a teenager. She just kept going, coronavirus, coronavirus, because I was standing there. And I was like, you little bitch. <laughs> so I, hours of waiting later, we I get in to see the doctor. And she was like, oh, you know, it's not in your chest. So, like, we're not even going to test. You know, you don't really you're not really showing any of the symptoms like at this point you know coronavirus was not that no one no one knew so they sent me home with antibiotics for my ear whatnot it was infected and we stayed there for a while and then it came back to the u.s and you know it was just starting like the hubbub of it of like uh may maybe like first week of february i would say and i actually stayed home a few days because I was just in the ER. So I took off a few more days from work and then I went back in and we were all like, ha ha ha, like just wash your hands, you know? <laughs> we didn't know. We're like, here's extra Purell. And then I, I usually do like a high five routine with my prop guy. And so we did an air five routine while still being like two feet from each other. New Rochelle is a particular problem. It is uh, what they call a cluster. The numbers have been going up. The numbers continue to go up. The numbers are going up unabated. Uh, and we do need a special uh, public health strategy for New Rochelle. Then things started getting worse. I kind of... <sighs> was a little more wary, I guess, because I'd already been on that side of the world where it was just being reported on daily before it really was well known to everybody in the US. So coming back, I, I felt like, oh, this is probably not going to be good. And, you know, maybe we'll take like a few weeks off, maybe a month. Cherie may have had a bit of an advance warning, but eventually the other people around her began to be more wary. I don't personally remember feeling a complete mood shift it was more a gradual like all right everybody wash your hands like I have footage of me in the fates dressing room just like doing our usual fate with a date video the day before we shut down so it it didn't feel it didn't feel ominous it wasn't like oh like this bad thing's gonna happen for for me at least. Major new developments to tell you about tonight surrounding the coronavirus outbreak. Governor Cuomo is banning large events in the state. And today, Mayor de Blasio declared a state of emergency in New York City. One of New York's biggest tourist attractions, Broadway, is closing its doors until April. The Broadway League has announced performances will stop immediately. So the lights will be going dark. It was March 11th, and I was like, you know, they have to shut us down. They, they, 
they have to shut Broadway down. We're having thousands of people in a tiny cramped space every night. There's just no way. So that night I stayed late. I packed up the entire, like all of my stuff. I packed up my bags. I packed up my boots, my snacks, my computer items, my hard drives, my camera items, my clothes, my air fryer. Like I took my air fryer home. I took a cab home. I took everything home. And the next day they had rehearsal at the theater. I was not called to rehearsal. I was sitting at home and I had been talking to somebody else who was like, hey, so the Broadway League is meeting today. They're going to announce something shortly. But they were like, just stay tuned. And around 3 p.m., they announced that Broadway was closed. And I I don't think I knew that that was going to be the last show, honestly. I don't think I really thought about it until after when I packed all my stuff up. Like, it was really, really after the show. During the show, it was like, cool, we're still doing a show. And then maybe we'll be off. Everyone's like, oh, yay, we're going to get some time off. Like, it's going to be so nice because we had been working nonstop on this show for a year. First, this is not going to be a quick situation. Uh, this is going to be weeks, months. I would calibrate ourselves. This is not going to be gone next week. It's not going to be returned to normal next week. As of this recording, Broadway has now been shut down for nearly eight months, the longest time Broadway has ever been shut down. Cherie does manage to keep in touch with her former ensemble. It still gives me life. Like, the stuff that we did was so amazing. I would not have been able to have those opportunities if it weren't for this show. Um, You know, like, doing the Tony Awards, doing all of this press, like, being on all of these sets and sound stages and, and um, all of these events that I wouldn't have been able to if it weren't for this show, um, and meeting so many people that I wouldn't have been able to. So now that we're paused, um, I'm also kind of just pivoting and just finding excitement in the other things that I'm doing as well. Um, and we still have a text thread with all of the cast members and I have a text thread with the with the fates. And so with the crew, you know, we miss them and we still have our weekly drink club as much as we can where we just catch up on the week. So it's not like we're completely isolated from each other or not talking to each other, you know, they're still a part of my life which is nice i don't it's just i don't know i miss i miss the camaraderie telephone wire and a railroad track keep on walking and don't look back till you get to the bottom line that's it for today our next episode broadway has been shut down and thousands of formerly employed people are out of a job so what's next for them if you like my show you are going to love all the shows on the collider network on podcast one the YouTube channel turned podcast super network has got everything for your pop culture needs. Check out Collider Sports, Jedi Council, one-on-one -on -one with Kristen Harloff, movie trivia schmodown, movie talk, and so much more. Check out the Collider Network every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.